Okay, uh, we've covered the main things which were to key on these words, love, life, and light, to see that these are the uh, choice uh, aspects of the church in Ephesus. Uh, I really hope that if you don't get anything else, you'll really catch on to this point that if you want to grow in life, if you want to meet the Lord, if you want to be ready uh, at His coming to be rewarded with the kingdom prize, you would realize you have to keep your love to the Lord fresh, uh, up to date. You have to love Him uh, best of all. You have to let Him be your first love. Uh, I don't mean you have to feel some kind of emotional high, like maybe when you first prayed and got saved. But uh, love is a deep thing. And uh, uh, the Lord Jesus said, if you love me, uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You see, love is practical. Love is very motivating and very practical. Uh, for example, uh, again, I'll use a marriage example. If you've been married quite a while, like I have, uh, you know, it's not, uh, my wife and I don't have to uh, really feel an obligation to have some kind of, uh, you know, feelings, some kind of emotional rush type feelings. Uh, that, 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 that's not where it's at, okay? That's, that's not a, our need. That's not our. That doesn't satisfy. Uh, but there is something more solid, you see. And a lot of times with love, where, where you know it's really there, is when you're under when you're under the uh, trial of circumstances. You see, then the Lord has a chance to blow away the uh, dross from your heart and you get to find out where you're really at. That time is a good time to really check whether you love the Lord, whether He really does have the first place. He's your best love. You can love legitimately other things that God has ordained. That's okay. No problem. But there should never be a rivalry. There should never be uh, several things that you love that has some equality with the Lord. That would be off. Okay? Uh, so it needs to be uh, definitely in the realm that He is supreme. He really doesn't have rivals. And that's why I say this is the battle, brothers and sisters. The Christian life is a life of war. Okay? I know it's sweet. I know it's joyful. I know it's loving. But I also know it's a fight. That's not my word. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. And the biggest fight you'll ever fight is to keep your love for the Lord first. Above all, in every situation, even if you have to weep, even if it costs you something really dear, even if it's a severe trial, you have to be able to get down on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, I still love you first. 
don't take the candy coated way out. Don't take all the uh, uh, the easy route where we'll tell you a lot of nice things in the Lord Jesus. We'll uh, just do this for you and that for you, and He'll never fail you. And you, and eventually, it makes you feel like if uh, uh, you're kind of like a recipient of uh, just a bunch of good things, not geared toward growth for the kingdom, but geared toward earthly happiness in this present age. No, the Lord Jesus is not like that. He's not like that. He's called to us to overcome. Is to love Him uh, supremely to the extent that whatever is a situation, we would never lose or give up uh, loving Him best. It's a fight. Okay, I don't want to present it to you falsely. Uh, you'll never get to a point where you outgrow the fight. You have to. You have to pay a price. Okay. This is this is not this is not an easy way, but it is a glorious way, and it is a uh, guaranteed way. The other ways I can't guarantee you anything except trouble. This way, whatever happens, you won. You won before it happened. You won while it was happening, and you will have, you will stand being the winner when it's all over. You see, because you're not you're not tied on to happenings and circumstances. You're tied on to a person, and that person never changes. He's an unchanging one, you see. So you better love this one supremely. I'm telling you the truth. Anything can happen to the other things. Anything, and they probably will happen. But this is different. Okay, you better, you better, uh, to use our terms, you better put your stock here. You see, you better put your investment in in the heavens, not not on things on the earth. Okay, this earth is very, very fading, very transitory, and it's very deceiving. And uh, you may think it'll work one way, one way. Uh, the life plan that people like to say you know you need to plan your life out right you need to have it all planned out mapped out financially in every other way it makes it appear easy i'm just here to tell you it's not going to happen to you like that it does not happen okay you're not going to live uh whatever it is that is your dream now it will not happen if it does i'm a little concerned whether you're god's child or not because God deals with his children. He lets the other people go their way. But with his children, he brings them under another government. Okay, so you have to realize this. Can you hear me okay? That's why to love him is the only safe thing, the only guaranteed thing, the only thing you can know that if everything fades, this will stand, okay? This is the rock you have to have your love to the Lord then of course that uh, obviously motivates you to experience him and to experience Christ is just to experience life uh, Christ is our life we need to have life 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 and be filled with life all the time there is no way to overcome sin and death except by life 
the eternal life, which is a person, Christ, must be enjoyed, partaken of. The word we use here is eaten of. You must take in Christ. You must digest Christ spiritually until he becomes part of your being, you see. Then you can express Christ, live Christ, magnify Christ, all these wonderful things that Paul did, who was a pattern to us all, okay? This is clear. Then you will not lose your testimony. What is the testimony? The lampstand corporately and the stars individually. That means you have light. Around you, people sense there's not darkness here, but light. You see, as long as that light's there, the lampstand has not been removed. If it's removed, it means the light goes. Okay? Then, even though the mechanisms or the organization or the machinery grinds on, as it does in all these four things that go on to the end, the mechanisms and the organizational things are grinding on, but the lampstand has been removed. Unless we take the way of Philadelphia. Okay? And part of that way of Philadelphia, uh, and I would say even the crucial thing, is love, life, and light. These do not change. Got it? Okay, now, uh, I, wanna, I want to uh, cover some more points here. Uh, on the back side, on number one, it says, to the messenger of the church in Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. The messengers, I want to talk just a minute about the messengers, and these messengers are the stars. Okay? These, this sounds a little peculiar term, the messengers to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, right? Who is, so this mysterious question here, I just ask, who is the messenger? Or who are the messengers in all these churches, okay? Who are the messengers? You see, we have to figure this out because uh, something happens to these messengers that's really unique, okay? Now, uh, let me say it this way. The messengers being the stars, we can simply deduce this. They are the bright ones, they are the shining ones, they are the spiritual ones who are bearing the burden for the testimony of Jesus in that local church. Okay? They're, <laughs> they're the spiritual ones, the shining ones, the bright ones who bear the testimony of Jesus. Okay. If you want to be a star, that's that's who you are. If you want to be a messenger of that church, a messenger uh, is like a testimony. If you want to be a testimony of the lampstand, uh, uh, you have to be bright. You have to be shining. You're a star. Okay. Now, uh, I think. The way this is interpreted uh, in most uh, fundamental interpretations would be that the messengers are the leading uh, 
the leading ones in the churches. Okay, for example, in the New Testament, the uh, the uh, government of any particular local church in a locality was under the administration, the spiritual administration of the elders in that particular locality, uh, such as the elders in Ephesus. When Paul went by Ephesus, he called uh, he called for the elders and he met them on the seashore and he had a fellowship with them because they were responsible for the testimony in the church in Ephesus, you see. But here in Revelation, though the word elders is used uh, numerous times in uh, the other epistles, then it's funny it's not mentioned here. It, it seemed like it would say to the elders of the or to, or to one of the elders or to the elders of the church in Ephesus, right, because they are supposed to be the ones to convey the news, you see. But instead it says messengers who are stars. Well, we could say this uh, and try to use some insight based on the degradation of the church throughout history and see this, that throughout church history, uh, positions, positions, and we'll get into this a little more in a minute, became very, very uh, obvious, strong, dominating, and uh, set in concrete. Now these positions took on de different kind of names and characteristics than what we read in the New Testament. But nevertheless, it became a kind of a, uh, a very uh, obvious situation so that you could say so-and-so is this and so-and-so is that and so-and-so is that and so-and-so is that, the minister of this, the minister of that, the minister, and so it's very easily perceived, you see. Just like if someone says, well, uh, are you an elder in one of the churches? Uh, that's easy to perceive that. Okay, it's easy to perceive that. That's, that's, no, that's no big trick. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's, there is a lot of things that must be cared for in any local church. And the larger the size, the more difficult it becomes because you have so many practical things, you see. All of this has to be under a kind of a practical arrangement, you see. The eldership is very easily perceived when you read the New Testament, you see. The Lord here, you can see, is fighting against this obvious outward uh, setup. And he changes to the word messenger, and he calls them stars. See? So from this we can say, yes, they are leading ones, but not leading in title or position, but leading in life and in shining. If you would be one who is living and shining and uh, uh, bearing the testimony of Jesus, then in God's eyes you are a messenger of that church, whether you have a title or you don't have a title. See, This should encourage all God's people because you see, you see, Troy, if you had to be an elder or some type of uh, official office and yet that didn't work out and there wasn't enough room at the top, quote, quote, see, you could be very disappointed. But if you can be a messenger and in God's eyes you, that would make you a star and you would, uh, you would be an overcoming one 
you see, bearing the burden for the testimony of Jesus. And you can do that whether or not uh, that's perceived even at all. You see, that provides you with the incentive, with the motivation, because you will get a reward and a kingdom prize for that. And you'll get another reward too. Okay. So does everybody want to be a messenger now? Yeah. Look, don't want to be... Listen, if you think you want to be something official, you, you, you need to forget about it. You just forget it. You, God doesn't care about this, okay? Don't, don't, don't take that way, okay? Uh, there is some official things. The, there, are, there is an eldership in the New Testament. There are deacons in the New Testament and so forth. There are, you know, some things... Uh, as far as ministries in the New Testament, uh, don't go for that. If you're if you're one of those, it'll be manifested. If you're not, just do your thing and be a bright shining star and, uh, and and enter into the kingdom. That's good enough. Let me tell you, if you if you, if I had my choice, I I tell you, I would trade places. You just get nothing but trouble. Just trouble, 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 trouble. It's much more fun if you can just love the Lord and do your thing. See, just love the Lord and, and, and release your burden. Everything else is just trouble. You want to do it, but you can't do it because you got to take care of trouble. All kind of trouble. See, trouble, 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 trouble. Somebody died, somebody was born. Somebody this, somebody that. Somebody relatives and somebody's uh, uh, so forth. One time, two brothers were so mad at each other, they are business partners, and I, I, I became a, uh, a, 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 you know, a negotiator to mediate their trouble, and I had one on one phone and one on the other, and, 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 and uh, finally they, you know, will you agree to this? And they, no, will you agree to that? And then so back So finally I got everybody to agree, and they, they hung up. They, they were just, at that point, I wouldn't call them un overcomers, they were undercomers. <laughs> But somebody had somebody had to take care of it. So, so instead of uh, you know having a real nice evening, I was uh, patching up a business. It's just loads of fun, right? See, this no, but but uh, it's got to be done. You see, and God has a government and He has a way. So uh, there are ways to solve everything. But uh, that's not. That's not in the book of Revelation. Okay. In the book of Revelation, God's burden is the sevenfold spirit is experienced to make you a star to shine and to illuminate. If so, you see, you'll bear the testimony of Jesus. You know what this means? This means if you're a person like this, think about it. If you bear the burden, do you realize what it means to bear the burden? Okay, let me let me put it this way. It's you can reduce it to two words. A Christian can be in one of two categories. They're in the they're in the get category or they're in the give category. That's right. They're in the get G E T category or they're in the give category. Now the get category is what? I simply receive. I have nothing. I offer nothing. I don't labor on anyone. I don't pray 
for anything else. I'm just here to get for me. That's, that's not bearing the burden. That's, that's surviving. But if you can receive and get the riches of Christ and let them do a work in you and flow into you, work in you and then flow out of you so that you give to be a functioning member of the Lord's body to express Him and to follow Him and obey Him, then that will make you a star. That is to bear the burden, to be responsible for the testimony of Jesus. You follow me? That's a messenger. That's a star. Don't say, what should I do? It's not a matter of what you do. Don't say, how much should I do? It's not a matter of how much you do. It's a matter of receiving the life and let it flow into you and let it flow out of you to fulfill His purpose spiritually and practically. Okay? Then you'll be a pillar to support the house of God. Okay? I think you get this. If you do, and you would take the way to be a messenger, a bright and shining star, you know what happens to you? Not in the next stage, but in this age, something is given to you as a position. You know what your position is? You get to be held in the right hand of the Lord. You're held in His right hand. See, it says here, He who holds the seven stars in His right hand. See, He's holding these seven stars. These are the ones who are bearing the burden for the testimony of Jesus. He's holding these seven stars. Now, in John, the Lord said that uh, that uh, whoever believed in Him, uh, that, uh, that, that, that the believing one would be held in His hands, and He also says He'd be held by the Father's hands, and that no one would be able to pluck Him out of His Father's hands. Right? His Father is greater than all, and no one would pluck Him out. So there is a holding in the hands of the Father and of the Lord. Now, how is this different? See, here is not a kind of a general holding. You see, all Christians, I would say even regardless of the level of their faithfulness to the Lord, are nevertheless held by Him. This is part of the un merited, undeserved grace of God. You will be held by God. I, I, I just guarantee it. Even if you don't realize it, you're still held. <laughs> okay. But here, you're held by the right hand, not just the hands, but the right hand. The right hand is the right hand of authority. You see, Christ sat down on the right hand of God. That's his, the side of His authority. You are held authoritatively in the right hand Amen. of God. Of the, of, the, of the Lord. This means that you receive a care, a protection, a shepherding, a holding, an intimacy with the Lord Himself in His hand. You are held in the Lord's hand in a way that is not common in general, but in a way that's special and particular. 
You see, people that bear the burden for the testimony of Jesus are getting into predicaments all the time. You cannot care for people. You cannot love the Lord, and you cannot try to take care of the church. With, you can't get involved with, with humanity and not all the time being uh, getting into predicaments. Things are touchy. Things are, th things, are, uh, things are not simple. They're very, human life is very complicated. You're going to get into predicaments. You're going to do the best. You're going to try the best, and you'll do everything you think is right, and still you make mistakes. This verse is to encourage us all to be bold, to go forward, to give it, just to, you know, to let it go, to, to uh, pour out, because He holds you, you see. A mistake to the Lord is nothing as long as you're held in His right hand, you see. Mistakes of sincerity just don't, just don't uh, uh, throw the Lord off track, okay, because we're held right there. You'll see. You get special... Listen, listen. For somebody who's really one with the Lord, you know, we sing that song uh, about... Uh, uh, how's that verse go? Uh, All things are yours when you are His and He and you are one. You see, all things are yours. You'll see. When you, when you give yourself to, to the Lord like this, listen, things will happen in your life. I won't call them miracles. I'll call them... Uh, uh, miracles seem big. I'll call them a kind of an endless procession of little things happening all the time to show you you're in His right hand. You'll just see it all the time happening. You just all the time you you you'll think, well, this shouldn't happen, but it happens, and you 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 get a lot of things in your human life that I would say to use the word average believer, just doesn't have. They don't get it. They don't have it. They're not even aware of it. You see? Once in a while, of some crisis happened in their life, the Lord really holds them in their hands. They recognize it. They're thankful. They, they so forth. But you know, to, to a star, this happens to them almost on a daily basis. Lord's always doing things for him. I mean, little things. Like you can't find a parking place, but you you got to go take care of somebody. So somebody just whips right out and gives you the best place. You see, because it's not for you. If it's for you, you drive around another hour. But it's not for you. He's taking care of the church, not you. you see, so you you the, you you benefit in all of his holding. You see, like that. It, it happens all the time. Okay. Do you want to be a messenger? Amen. Good. Don't be anything official. Don't have any aspirations. Uh, aspire to shine. Amen. Aspire to shine. That's right. In a way to bear the testimony of Jesus. That's that's the thing. Okay. That's enough for messengers. Then let's uh, drop down. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I'll say just a brief word about uh, Roman numeral 7. But this you have, that you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And uh, uh, I need to say a little bit here, but I don't want to linger too much because the works of the Nicolaitans come up in another church 
and by that time it becomes the deeds or the works of the Nicolaitans, and so it'll be a little more seriously, it's, it's more serious there, and uh, we'll get into it in a little more depth. Let me say this briefly. The word Nicolaitan uh, is something that uh, is not a common word. Uh, so the way, the way to really understand this is to break this word into its two roots, okay? Uh, I think most of you realize uh, Nicolaitan comes from two words. One of them is uh, the Greek word Nico, and the other is the Greek word uh, Laos. And this, this Greek word means uh, to conquer. Mainly, I think that's a stronger meaning, or it means to be above or over, okay? So something like that, I'll put over. That's, this word here means uh, people or common people. Okay, so you put these two words together, and you see there's something has conquered the common people. In other words, the regular Christian has been overcome or dominated by something stronger, okay? Uh, Nico, Nico is a conquering word, like just like your Nike shoe. Some of y'all got the Nike zone? That's, that's a Greek word, see, which means win or victory or conquer. Uh, you know, after the marathon, the 26-mile marathon, you know when the guy falls down and says, Athena, Nike, uh, you know, that means Athena conquers. They won the battle. Athens won. And from that, you know, that's where the shoes come from. It's the Nike shoes. You learn all kind of things at these outings, right? <laughs> so, and Laos, I tried to, in fact, uh, one of the brothers here today is from uh, uh, Laos or had lived some years in Laos. Uh, I tried to find out I uh, couldn't get clear if Laos was named Laos, you know, you know Laos by uh, Zimbabwe and Vietnam, you know where Laos is below China. Uh, not Zimbabwe, uh, uh, Cambodia, but I'm thinking of Cambodia, uh, Cambodia, the modern name. Uh, Zimbabwe, that's an African. Okay. Anyway, uh, maybe that country was named after the you know common people, meaning like a de democratic type thing. I don't know. There was a guy's name whose last name was Laos, and whether he adopted that or so forth, but he was the main leader, so uh, I really can't tell. But anyway, you put these two names, these two words together, and it means conquer or be above or over the common person. This is a system where some believers have a higher title, position, and even spiritual standing than the average believer. That is a system called the Nicolaitans, and God says, I hate it. I hate it. Why does God hate that kind of system? Because it distinguishes between brothers and sisters. It makes some parts of the body more dispensable 
than other parts of the body. It does away, it nullifies the body of Christ. It ruins it. It organically destroys the body of Christ because in Christ we are all one. In Christ we are all the same. We might be, we might be, we might have different functions, but we are members one of another. There is no high, there's no low. Okay? So the works, uh, the, the works of the Nicolaitans must be repudiated as being something negative. Okay? Historically, you know, Israel is the picture in the Old Testament. Israel in Exodus did not have uh, Nico and Laos. Okay? There was not. They were all level. And it wasn't until the sin occurred with the worship of the golden calf and the Levites rose up to obey God's word that they were given the priesthood. Before that, in Exodus, God had said that the whole nation would be a kingdom of priests. Every person. And until this, the, until that happened, the Levites were given the priesthood because the others were not faithful to God. Let's see. That became, that became the Old Testament priesthood. That priesthood was carried over into the New Testament, and the priesthood was very much followed. That Old Testament priesthood was very much followed by mixture. They would tell you to pray to God or pray to the Lord or pray to the Virgin Mary or pray to one of the saints. You see, all this is a mixture. And and even the confessing of sins, you see, it's all it's all uh, some human mediation going on. So you confess it to a man and he said, I will pray for you. What is that supposed to do? Where, where, where is that in the Bible? See? <laughs> there is a verse. There is one mediator. Yeah, there is a verse that says one mediator. Yeah. And there are, there are some good verses that we are priesthood, right? That means all of us are priests. But, well, what if you're an apostle? Isn't that something special? Well, yeah, it is something special. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says God set uh, some in the church first of all apostles. Okay, they were first. They were set in the church first. But that is in function what they were doing. That has nothing to do with them mediating between a believer and God. See, He didn't set them in the church between. No. So, uh, you see, this kind of class is where you have some something conquering what we would call the regular, plain Jane believer when it's that believer that the Lord has focused on in His New Testament economy, not the others. Okay? After that, of course, you know, uh, the Jewish system had their priestly system. The Catholics had theirs. You know, the robes that they wear just came from the Old Testament. There's nothing. There's not anything about a robe or anything clerical like that. 
you see. Then, after the Reformation occurred and some of the state churches were raised up, then uh, in the, you know, the German church, the English church, and so forth, you had a, a clerical system. They wouldn't call it a priesthood. They wouldn't say, I'm a priest or a father, but they were clergymen, trained clergymen, you see. And still, there was a mixture there. They would wear the collars and so forth, but there was, it was just, uh, you know, it was just down a, a little lower. Uh, it wasn't as extreme, but it was still there, you see. So that was a clerical system. You had a, a priestly system, right? Uh, it carried over into Catholicism, and you had a clerical system with the state churches. Still today, it's all around. You can meet the clerics, you see. Then, when Protestantism came in, another kind of system came in. What kind of system do you think that was? That's right, it's the pastoral system. And, and brothers and sisters, I grew up in that system. I was saved there, and even after being saved there and loving the Lord fervently, I never, it never entered my mind that that was a system. It didn't. I just assumed. But when you analyze it, it is a system. There is not one place in the New Testament where it mentions that a pastor, which in Greek literally means a shepherd, is a governing or a governmental leader in any church to take care of the affairs of the church. And yet today's system, mostly in Protestantism, is the pastor is the head of the of the government of the church. This is true. You can't deny it. They're trained, they're professional, they go to seminary, they get called, and they get installed. And there are some checks and balances, but it is still uh, it is still there as a system, and it is not according to God's uh, plan. It doesn't exist. So, you know, sometimes people uh, meaning very well. Just like I, I, I can't remember what some of my early questions were, but I no doubt asked this numerous times. So, when someone says comes and says, "Well, do you have uh, do you have any pastors here?" You see, this is a hard question to answer. Yeah, it is. See. Uh, yes, pa pastor. So I used to say, I used to see, I used to say, I would never, I'll never admit, no, I'm not going to dare associate with a system that I know damages the body of Christ. You see, so I'd say, no, we don't have any pastors. Then later, then later, I say, wait a minute, if a pastor's a shepherd, we got a lot of, a lot of pastors. That's right. I, I, so I so I changed my answer to, oh yeah, we got a bunch of those. <laughs> I don't know who all they are, but boy, they, I, I sure appreciate every one of them. <laughs> now the right answer is yes and no. Yes and no. No, not in the way of a set system, but yes in the way of actual functions. There are many pastors Amen. and teachers, according to Ephesians four twelve. Okay. Anyway, uh, you see, we don't want to conquer. We don't want any system to conquer uh, uh, the common person. That's where the word laity comes from, from laos. 
the laity means you are not the ordained one, so you become one of the uh, common people. That's the laity, you see, or layman. Okay. Now, let me just give you a few characteristics. of. Uh, I just jotted down a few things. Let me tell you, here's what I think are some signs that uh, are, are signs of a Nicolaitan type system. Number one is that if it's, if it's a Nicolaitan system, it breeds passivity and, and waiting. Mainly that we are passive because we feel that we are not qualified and someone else has been positioned to be qualified to do it. And so it breeds being passive because I, who am I, you see? It downgrades me as a believer and it uh, upholds someone else as having been uh, the ordained one, you see? Oh, I can't baptize anybody. I'm not uh, ordained. You, you might think that's funny. There are many, many, many believers, many, who would never dare do that because they believe that they were not ordained to do it. But once you get in the light, I'll tell you, you would, you would baptize them as soon as you saw water. <laughs> right? Amen. Is this right? You lead them to Christ, but you have to wait for some other person to do the baptizing because you don't you're not what what oh the Lord doesn't like this listen not even a little bit that's just great here's Philip on the road he leads the Ethiopian to the Lord and uh, sends him on back to Africa and I hope you meet an ordained man of God because this is it I don't believe the, uni the Ethiopian was like that I believe if he said, here is water. If you won't baptize me, I'll just jump in. <laughs> Listen, a lot of believers baptize themselves. I knew one brother who went out to a lake one time. He was so desperate, he went out, he was all by himself, and he jumped in that lake, and he says, I stayed under the water and held my breath until I felt like I was going to explode. And then I came up out of the water. <laughs> He said, I wanted to get so buried, I wanted to put off the old man so bad, I went out there and I jumped in the lake and I stayed under until I couldn't stand it any longer. Now you tell me, do you think that was a real baptism? Is that better than, uh, tonight, uh, uh, we're having a, a quarterly baptism and we've got 25 uh, uh, nice kids that are going to now be baptized. They finished their catechism and they're now uh, qualified and they're ready and we uh, trot them up into the baptistry and so forth, baptize them and here comes the next one. We baptize. But do you think, all, you think this is a way to do it? Which baptism do you think registered in the heavens? Forget the Nicolaitans. Conquer the, conquer the laity. No. We don't want to have anything to do with that. Okay. Then I would say another aspect of it is that the Nicolaitan system emphasizes professionalism over reality. There is a professionalism there. Don't say it's not. It is a professionalism. It is something you have to be trained for, schooled for. If you're not qualified, listen, do you realize in many congregations, and I'm not knocking it, I'm just stating the facts, 
many, many types of situations. Somebody, somebody is a leader, and they're there, and it's even their job. And they've even been trained. They've been to school. They've done everything that says you have to do to be ordained. And they're talking, but don't you think there are some people they're, they're talking to that have more riches of Christ to say and to minister than that person does? I know this is true. I've seen that happen. You see? But they can't do it. And they don't have room to do it, and they wouldn't be allowed to do it because it's not their place. That's conquering the laity. That's clergy conquering the laity. Uh, then a third thing I think we could say is uh, true would be that there's a uh, that in this kind of system there's an unchangeableness. There's a something that's set, settled, codified, and you don't change it. Whereas, whereas if it's really the body of Christ, it's very flexible and very willing to yield and follow uh, according to the Lord's leading. And this other way is very set. In fact, you already know what's going to happen before it happens. It's written down. You know what the Spirit is going to do according to a time schedule. So if the Spirit absolutely did something else, it wouldn't fit in. So, you see, uh, it's unchangeable. If it's the body of Christ, it has to be flexible. You never know what the Spirit will do. And you have to give Him room. The, the, the Spirit must have the final authority to do what He pleases. Amen. Okay. Then I think, uh, just which is kind of part of what we've already said, <clears throat> this kind of system negates personal responsibility. Uh, if we're going to lead people to Christ, then what we need is an evangelistic meeting. Not that I would do anything, but someone else would do that. You follow what I'm saying? Or somebody's going to uh, serve the Lord uh, uh, if they are trained to do that, okay. Or if, even if it's practical, we'll hire somebody to do it. You see? Because uh, the lay people have no feeling and no consciousness that it's their responsibility. You see, even when we come to a meeting, if our thought is, I have come and I have arrived and I am waiting for whatever is going to be dished out, then, you see, uh, that's a system. And you're in the position of a laity waiting for a clergy. Okay? I hope I'm not a clergy to you today. But if you come to a meeting and... Uh, Maybe, maybe if it's a kind of a ministry meeting like today, maybe this is a little different. But in a normal meeting, if you come and you realize this meeting is as much my responsibility as anybody else's, then you're out of that system and you're a real functioning member of the body. Okay? Now, don't you see why God hates this? For the express reason that it negates the body of Christ. Okay? No, we, we don't want this. We want the body of Christ full of life, functioning to express God, to bring all the riches of Christ to one another. Right? This is a church life. 
You got it? Okay. I don't think that's very pretty at all. I'm anxious to go on to the last point. Number eight. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh, hallelujah. Not the, not the clergy, but the Spirit. Amen. Says to the churches. Well, what I'm thankful for is it emphasizes here the Spirit. It starts out where the Lord speaks to the churches, but it ends up here where it says the Spirit speaks. The Lord started and the Spirit ended. Don't you see? Don't you see that you can't separate the Lord and the Spirit? See this? When we think of the Lord, mostly we think He's at the right hand of the Father. But listen, we have to realize the Lord Jesus is right inside of us as the Spirit. And the Spirit speaks to the churches. You see, what's the difference? The difference is, one may be objective, but the Spirit is always subjective. That's within. He's within us. He speaks to us within. The Spirit is speaking to the churches. It's personal. Saints, to have the Spirit to speak to us, it's real, it's personal. Do you all realize... All of our, all of us being Christians, all of us desiring to be those that fulfill His purpose. It's all based on whether or not God speaks to us and whether we hear Him. Speaking and hearing is the main thing that goes on between Christians and the Lord Jesus. You take this away, we just don't have anything. If you, you can't even get saved unless unless there's some speaking. You have to have the hearing of faith. You got to hear something. See, that's why those who preach the gospel have beautiful feet. Because sometimes when you're hearing to them talk to you about Jesus, you don't realize it, but it's just touching you. That's not that person. That's God Himself speaking to you. Well, you see, uh, the central thing about being a Christian and the central thing about being a lampstand is the speaking God is, uh, is matched by a hearing people. They must hear the voice of the Lord. The Lord says, My sheep know my voice. and they will not listen to another. They know my voice. Don't say what voice and what... what. When the Lord speaks to you, you just know it. Don't tell me. Don't ask me how. It just You just know when He speaks to you. It's not audible. It's not what, what. But I'll tell you, when He does speak, you know He speaks to you. Well... Uh, <clears throat> You know, uh, it's amazing, but... Okay, see, two people are right here, see? And uh, somebody can be speaking, me or somebody, anybody could be your speaking. And it could be really in the Spirit, with the Word, with a lot of light. I mean, let's just say I was Elijah or somebody, okay? I was really... Okay, the Apostle Paul, I was really full, the riches of Christ, I was just you know, unlocking the Word and just dispensing the riches, you see. But it's 
But it's, it's so possible, you see, that one person could hear and one person could not hear. Right. Or put it this way, both of them heard the exact same exactly. thing, but this person heard it spiritually mm. with his ear, and this person did not hear it spiritually. He heard it in his mind, and he heard it in his spirit. Right. That's right. See? So the effect on him is transformation, and the effect on him is he just wasted some time. See? Two people can hear the exact same thing, and it's amazing. You know, somebody can be deeply touched, and somebody can be... Uh, I just... Right. That's right. I just really, you know... Uh, was, yeah. They were thinking some about something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, saints, the Lord says to all of us, He that has an ear, Amen. let him hear. Do you have an ear? Yes. It's like saying, do you have a spirit? Yeah. Then listen. Listen. Just listen to the spirit. Amen. Listen. Open your ear. Hear what the spirit says to the churches. Okay. Let me give you just a couple of tips on listening, okay? All right. Okay, number one, let me tell you. Number one, if you want to hear the Lord's voice, cleanse yourself in His blood from every, uh, every negative thing that's in your consciousness. Confess to the Lord anything on your conscience and get cleansed with the blood of Jesus. And this will open your ear. Okay? He can't speak to us when we have a conscience problem. Number two, if you want to hear the Spirit, you have to open your being to the speaking of the Spirit. Meaning, you have to have an openness that doesn't hold back, that is not reserved, that's not, that's not uh, here to get something out of it for myself. You have to be open to the Lord uh, without reservation. This is the way to unplug the ear. Okay. And number three, you have to be willing to be obedient to whatever he says. If you wouldn't be willing to be obedient, why should he tell you something if you're not going to do it? You follow me? So when we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, cleanse me with your blood. Lord, I'm, you know, and something, the Lord reminds you of something, just confess it. Lord, I'm sorry I did this. I shouldn't have forgiven me. And you just sense you can hear better. Lord, I just open my being to you. Whatever you say, I'm just open. I really want to know. I'm not telling you to say this or that. I just, whatever you want to say, I'm open to you. Your ear is further open, you see. And Lord, I just intend to say amen to your speaking. You just are in a condition where... His voice is just so easy to hear. You read the Word, He speaks to you. You fellowship with others, He speaks. You go to a meeting, you just feel like the Lord is speaking all kinds of things to you. You see? You'll hear His voice. Believe me, you'll hear the Spirit. The Christian life has to be a life of hearing the Spirit all the time. Listen, sometimes when you're not even expecting it, you might be just walking someplace, and I mean almost, it seems like from out of the blue, something, the Lord will just speak to you. Right, that's right. You see? And right away, 
a Christian that's in a normal condition will say, Amen, Lord. Amen. That's right. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Amen. You got spoken to. It's not a small thing. God spoke to you. The Spirit spoke to you subjectively. Five billion people on the earth, but He said a word to you that wasn't spoken to any other person at that time. It's a big thing. See? Then the last thing in this verse is he speaks, uh, Spirit says to the churches. Okay? What I'd just like to say here is, uh, saints, don't take all that I'm talking about and expect that this works on an individual basis. The whole foundation of this epistle is that it is written and spoken not to an individual, but to the churches. If you want to hear it, if you want to get... Listen, if you want to have a lot of rich speaking, you need the right position. The right position is to be a member of the body, living a corporate life in the church life. Then you'll have a lot of rich speaking. You'll even get some speaking that's not for you, but for somebody else. Have you ever enjoyed the body life to the extent that you got a word from the Lord that wasn't for you? Listen, that's rich speaking. And that's versus the meager life of going it on your own, and just every so often the Lord gives you a little something about a little something. And it seems like a big deal to you because, you know, it was the Lord. But compared to the riches that you can get if you're in the right position, that is, you're really exercising as a member of the body of Christ. You're really taking the stand as a church. You're living the corporate life. You're in the churches. Then you get positioned to hear what the Spirit is speaking, not to the individuals, but to the churches. It's a big thing. Listen, it's a big, big moment in our life when we, when we turn from being an individual Christian yeah. to being a body Christian, to being a, a corporate Christian, to being a church-like Christian. It's a big time. It's a crisis. It's a, I mean, it's, uh, it changes everything. Okay. Now, do you want to be a messenger? Do you want to do away with anything Nic- Nicolaitan? Yes. Right. Then we have to hear the Spirit and be in the churches. And then the pathway is clear and straight. The, the shot into the kingdom is just clear. The pathway is clear. It's a straight line into the kingdom. Right? I think you got it. I think you got it. I, 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 I feel to stop right here because I think you got it. See, listen, you have a capacity more than you give yourself credit for. You've ta- you have taken in a lot today, more than you thought you could, more than I thought you could. Taking a lot. We don't even have, we, our weather even didn't do too well today. It got very warm on us, which it wasn't supposed to do. But still, you see, as long as we have the speaking spirit, we're okay. If, if, if the Lord has spoken to you and you just breathe amen, 
That is in you for eternity, saints. It will never get out of your being. That becomes part of your eternal deposit. God rots that into your being. You see? This is a blessed place to be. Don't ever leave the place where the Spirit is speaking. Right? Amen. I just about hit it right on the button. Uh, How about we have a few prayers, uh, then we'll stop.